0: Welcome everybody, Good Life Housing Partners. This is a Monday, November 8th, and this is the 60th episode of this podcast that was started a little over a year ago. We've added producers, we've changed our uh, podcast app, we've done all sorts of things, but yet one thing remains the same, two guys talking are still here. So, but not here actually today, as one of us is in Dallas-Fort Worth, Mr.
1: Fong, where does this find you today? Yeah. Well, first, woohoo on the sixty, it's a big six zero, uh, which is uh, I didn't think we'd last that long, and so I didn't either. I'm very impressed. So that's that's first off. Um, it, correct, I am in Dallas. Um, you know, you know, I flew out here this week for business, and uh, today's also a day, also on the travel side, a big day That's supposedly the start of potentially the travel blitz, they call it. Uh, the U.S. removed restrictions on international travelers coming to the United States um, that that had been imposed over a year ago because of COVID. And so, um, you know, now as long as you have proof of vaccination or a negative test, you can come into the visit the United States, Um, international travelers from Europe, um, many of them who who are blocked can now come. And so there's a big travel blitz expected. To hit, especially uh, now with Thanksgiving and Christmas coming up, supposed in particular supposed to hit uh, New York, San Francisco, D.C., and L.A., the big kind of coastal cities. And so um, already, uh, you know, when 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 Biden first announced this a few weeks ago, there was a eight, in one of the travel sites there was an 800% spike in bookings. And so um, it's supposed to be a pretty busy travel season. It 800% a pretty... spike.
0: Uh, yeah. So it means foreign bookings into the U.S.
1: Correct. Correct. Uh um,
0: interesting. In particular, I wonder from what, London, like the, in particular from like, London
1: and France. In particular from London Oh, France,
0: interesting. Actually. So European travelers wanting to come to the US.
1: Yeah, have, have been have missed it, I guess, and wanna want to get in on it. Been, so, so I do I do have to say, uh, yesterday evening on a Sunday night, 6 p.m. ish, it was it was a fairly crowded airport. I was surprised to see. So because I was thinking to myself, who's traveling on Sunday nights? And so uh, there were people. Oh,
0: Oh, you know who's traveling on Sunday nights, my friend? Who? Y- young, aggressive, eager beavers like Jason Fong. They're just <laughs> yeah. out there trying to get in a day early. That's that's who's traveling on Sunday, my friend. <laughs>
1: okay.
0: They're, they're just eager beavers trying to get there day early, get that warm before everyone else wakes up. That's what it yeah. is right there.
1: So, so on the reverse side of the travel blitz, some people are saying, well, you know, now people from europe can come in is this going to now lead to you know for the past year and a half we've a lot of people doing staycations or local kind of vacations going to mexico or, or not too far away or, uh, or or traveling to like las vegas uh so now, now that you know i guess this i don't know if it means anything to you but does that mean uh yeah you know, th- does that find the gupta family traveling uh, internationally this holiday season i know you've done um... it in the past but yeah in
0: seasons, you in, uh, in, in seasons past we probably would be traveling but since we've moved this year I don't know if we'll travel uh this this winter um but if we do I think it's kind of weird because like the reality of like for us and I think a lot of people are in this boat um that I, I talk to that families and young kids and stuff there, there's not like a lot of places you can really go as yet like it's it's like you really can't go to Europe in this in the winters. It's just it's kind of cold. It's they're in general trying to leave unless they have to be there. And then um, you know only real place that we can go is like go south, but um, I don't know if that's like really that appealing. Um, and then Asia, as we as we have our as we have one one of our staff is actually in Taiwan, is like totally unappealing with their you know quarantine programs. So. Yeah, I don't really like see a place where I'm like, oh, I'd love to go there right now.
1: Yeah, I, I, I agree with that. I I, I would like to actually, actually. The last trip I did internationally was to Asia, to Hong Kong, uh, right before the pandemic hit, and and so we made it back. And you know, I, I would like to go back, but I definitely cannot go back as you mentioned because of the quarantine restrictions. And uh, you know, oh, you could go. Yeah. You'd just be seeing in a hotel. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you just be sitting in a hotel for two, three weeks, and I, you know, I could barely sit in my bedroom at home um, when I had the flu last week. And so, I, I, I definitely would not make it out in Asia. So, <laughs> I won't be going there for a while, I guess, until these restrictions are, are removed. Um, busy, busy week last week. Um, the Fed finally uh, did what they talked a lot about uh, on Wednesday. They started their tapering. Um, you know, during this whole pandemic, the Fed's been buying 120 billion dollars a month. of of treasuries and and, uh, 80 80 billion of treasuries and and 40 billion of uh, mortgage-backed securities and they finally started tapering it and so um the you know last week they began and it's i think they i think it's going down about 15 billion a month and so basically they'll stop buying. they don't think they need to support the economy as much um and so so you know based on that map it should stop sometime around uh june um there's some fears people. You know, I guess the Fed, when they did this in the last recession and they announced it in 2013, uh, they came up with this phrase called the taper tantrum when they started to taper, taper the, mar- like the market reacted with a tantrum and and, and stocks um, plummeted. And so the question is, you know, whether this will happen again. And, and as of last Friday, at least um, last Friday, stock markets, all the markets, um, NASDAQ, the, uh, the S&P 500, everyone all, all hit new highs. So it seems the market seems to have shrugged off any kind of taper tantrum. So I think uh, the best quote someone said was, it was, it's not like uh, the punch bowl is not being taken away. It's just a little less full. Hmm. <laughs> so
0: Glenn's uh, uh, words, full width.
1: Yeah. <laughs> there you go. Um, you know, this, this leads now to the next question people are all scared about is, okay, well, when is the Fed going to start raising rates, which in turn, when they raise the federal funds rate, will that then lead to... You know, rate hikes in, in real estate and, and banks and the Bank of England and Australia, New Zealand and Norway have already, uh, you know, try to deal with our friend inflation have started to raise their rates slightly. But the Fed has still stayed the course and said right now they're not raising rates. So um, the other thing too to keep in mind, too, this punch bowl is, you know, like you said, it's not taking the punch bowl away because, you know, during this past year and 18 months, you know, with all this buying, you know, the Fed has on its balance sheet $9 trillion worth. Of all these bonds and it's not like they're selling them anytime soon so it's one thing to stop buying them it's another thing then also if they start selling them because that'll have an impact on the whole market and interest rates
0: yeah that's interesting on the on the buying because it's you know that's been this like shadow effect on markets for like well into now this is like well into the second year and you know in for the normal like average joe it doesn't really like hit the hit the like radar screen but i think that 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 tapering and well that it it will result in some pullback as we as we get to closer to the end of the year and the start of 22. so i think people have been like on this binge with sort of like almost the the fed is a backstop for all this stuff and so i think there's got to be something that that a color corollary effect where they're gonna have some pull somebody will say Now that I don't have that backstop, I'm going to I'm going to change my trade process.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um, On the on the economic front last week was a big week too. Friday. We got the um, October jobs report finally came out and uh, everyone was, you know, Wall Street Journal, all the other analysts was expecting in October that we added uh, 450,000 new jobs. And the number came in at five hundred thirty one thousand so uh it was much more than and and what people uh, anticipated um so it just shows you know the economy is definitely rebounding from this whole um pandemic you know we're still not at you know the elusive maximum employment um but but i know we are in
0: fact we're more or less there we're like
1: what a few
0: basis points off now
1: right yeah well there's still there's this missing four million jobs that they said that existed pre-pandemic that Hasn't hasn't been recaptured. I mean, the numbers have steadily throughout twenty twenty one been going up on this jobs report, and so I think it averages out about six hundred thousand jobs. Yeah. And so we had a little delta dip for the summer, but now that's definitely um, you know we rebounded from the delta summer wave. Um, when you look a little deeper too in some of these numbers that came out on Friday, the other thing that was good it was a, it was a positive sign and being good in that sense was that 180,000 female uh, workers came back into the job force and there was a lot of talk that a lot of women had left the job force because of the child rearing and because there's no child care everything was shut down because of because of because of covid and and so it's a good sign that that uh, you know that uh, that mem- that portion of the labor pool is coming back
0: yeah but you know the, you know the other side that that job support's a little bit Fluffy is that, I bet you a lot of that is seasonal hiring.
1: Uh, no, well, no, they, they said, they said that a lot of this was not. I mean, unemployment rate fell also from 4.8% to, to 46 So, I mean, we're not back at, I guess, pre-pandemic, we're at three and a half percent unemployment. Yeah, but I think, I think that happens
0: like almost yearly where you get, you'll get seasonal hiring for the Christmas holidays and shopping and retail season, and then you lose those jobs that you get into January and February.
1: Yeah. Well, no, but it, but jobs also gain, it wasn't just se- seasonal jobs. They grow That That was part of the growth too. I mean, that right. But but also you did have some growth in professional services, which is not seasonal. So right. that's why they see it. Okay. So cause the biggest problem they've said is, is with the pandemic is you've had a lot of female workers leave the market. Then you've also had sort of older uh, empl- uh, late workers leave who Actually, are not coming back. Some of them becoming permanently, or maybe retiring early, and so there's there's a you know there's a, there's a worker shortage. And then of course, then there's the like you said, you know, all the restaurant the other workers who no one can seem to you know find 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 them to take those jobs anymore. So, which Oops. which leads to which leads to like we what well, we also talked about. I mentioned it too, since I'm traveling, the, the whole new concept of, the, of that phrase, skimflation, you know. <laughs> you know, basically pay the same or more, but receive less. And, you know, I, I can tell you staying at these different hotels now that, you know, everyone's, you know, you, they, they won't clean your room every day automatically like they used to and so, <laughs> have to be a little more, uh, we have to be a little more careful with our use of our towels. Stuff.
0: Uh, you know, I, I, what I've done now, I've just basically, anytime I check in somewhere, I just order like tons of extra towels on the app.
1: No, that's no, smart. That's no, smart. Yeah, we we did a deal fashion to Just call down housekeeping. Send uh, some more-
0: no, I don't put that to chance. Right when
1: I check in, I put I just put it right <laughs> on the app. Okay. Well, you
0: well, you guys are much more seasoned travelers than we are. <laughs>
1: well,
0: this is this is uh, some of the seasoning I can share with you, David. Yes, yes, I'm learning. I'm learning. <laughs> Give you some seasoning, buddy. Um, interesting, interesting. What else you got?
1: Well, you know, related to that, I guess about hiring, getting people back. One of the things I find fascinating, and we talked a little bit about some of the things that people do, you know, you know, other than raises and bonuses, you know, is is, is you know, isn't that enough to recruit? You would think that's enough to recruit workers back, but some companies have been have been doing more stuff. And uh, one of the things I found most interesting was uh, David's Bridal, the Bridal Wear Company. Yeah. Uh, one of the things they found that really excited employees was, and and this actually came out during the COVID area where they didn't have enough people they couldn't hire models to, to do their advertising so they decided to run these little contests amongst their employees to encourage to see if anyone was interested in becoming a model and, and model some of the company wear and, and so a lot of people applied a lot of people really enjoyed it you know basically they got a little course on how to how to pose and and and, and uh in you know, a pose with the outfits, and then do and you know, makeup and everything was done, and they got to keep the clothes and the videos and the photos, mm. which they share on social media with all their buddies, and so it created a really good buzz for them. Mm. And so that's one of the things they, they they they're now doing permanently. They're actually reducing their use of outside models in their yeah. advertising now. I wonder if it'll save them money.
0: That's really interesting. I wonder if like like all the employees that like we give apartments to, I wonder if they would have the same response
1: if if we asked them the model. <laughs>
0: if we if we ask them to like put that, their apartments on Instagram, and tell them how much they love living in our communities,
1: that's true. It's true. You do it in student housing sometimes when you have contests like yeah, your door contests or patio. We should yeah, we <laughs> should definitely ask our, our some
0: of our student housing <laughs> managers if people would do that.
1: Yeah yeah. Um, a couple of other interesting things, Levi Strauss, the denim Gene company, is actually offering, I don't know why this is attractive to people, but offering free computer coding classes, apparently, is very attractive now. The jean company? Yeah, the gene company offers computer coding classes. Um,
0: I don't even know what? who wears Levi's, like new <laughs> Levi's, and then secondarily, I don't know why anyone would go to them for coding help.
1: Yeah, <laughs> I guess it's it's for, maybe they switch jobs. Um, the they're no, like the, okay, let me the go check out inner, the yeah <laughs> um, this, The Chicago tech company actually had a really cute uh, thing a company called Project 44. They actually had their own little company van that they used to allow employees to reserve and they get to use. and it's basically kind of like from the days of Scooby-Doo almost even <laughs> it's like this little van that's got a built-in bed and, and bathroom and shower. And a lot of people just been, you know, taking them up on it and going cross country trips and taking their family, whatever, just to just to enjoy. And, and it's, it's been very successful. Hmm. Um, and then uh, another company, cool. JBS, which is one of the biggest pork and beef companies, uh, they've been helping their employees. They actually help them build homes, <laughs> they've been building homes for them. Those innovative um, ways to in help their employees. Yeah. In a, in a very, very innovative. Um, and, and then on the employee side, Right, uh, you know, got some new statistics. The trucking, you know, we we always talk about the ports and the, and the supply chain issues. The uh, trucker shortage, according to the American Trucker Association, we are short eighty thousand drivers Does mm-hmm. we need in order to. If we had eighty thousand more drivers, we could solve this uh, uh supply chain mess and, and things could the movement of goods would 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 move a little more freely back to normal. So uh, pre pandemic, we were short sixty one thousand drivers. So. We've added uh, 20,000 more drivers we need because of this whole mess. So I don't know where we're going to get these drivers. They they talk about how like states should loosen up licensing requirements and things like that, but you still got to get people to to want to want to do the job. Um, yeah, which which I heard it was notorious for I guess bad conditions too because you know you you get paid by the hour, but then there's you lose pay sometimes because when you're, when you're waiting, like in between trying to pick up the little containers and stuff because the ports are not ready. And so, uh, you know, and then, and I guess they they, they don't allow drivers. There's, they need to create more driver uh, hubs for the drivers to wait in, in, in between picking up loads, I guess, because they got nowhere to go to, to no lounges to go to and no place to go to the bathroom, apparently. And so it's a very rough, rough life for the truckers.
0: Yeah, that is a rough life, these, these hubs, huh? Yeah, so. <laughs> what else you got over there? How, how is, by the way, like, what do you, so you're in Dallas this week, and we're, we're obviously there for a, a kind of a, a deal we've got in contract. But um, what do you, what do you like, you know, you just got in, what are you seeing? I mean, is there anything, like, you are you noticing anything different? You haven't been in a few weeks?
1: Uh, not noticing too much difference. I mean, it actually seems very similar when I was here two weeks ago. Um, definitely, you know, see, life seems kind of pre-pandemic. Don't see a lot of mask wearing. Uh, definitely, restaurants were were pretty pretty busy uh, when I when I go to the downtown areas. Um, we we are in town, as you mentioned, uh, which we'll be setting out a preview shortly um, on our ne- on our newest acquisition when the contract to buy another hundred unit apartment complex. Um, here in in the uh, medical district of of Dallas, a, a very uh, up and coming neighborhood uh, with strong employer base very close by. Yeah. Um, Selling it quite well on this. Yes, uh, yes, yes. And uh, so yeah, the, I mean the city seems like normal. It seems that it, in fact it can't really notice that there's been a pandemic here. I mean other than occasionally seeing the signs. You know, when you have to go into McDonald's to put put on a, a mask, or go into the uh, you know hotel lobby.
0: Yeah, it's it's interesting, like how much like, you know, these markets, that you know have have like stayed the pandemic and like more or less just kind of business as usual. Like when you go there, you assimilate so quickly.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, def- it's definitely uh, you know just just pretty normal at the airport, big crowd. We're all waiting for our Ubers, and you know, Uber's pretty busy. And, you know, the one thing I don't I have to say about this town, though, is not as many. Uh, I miss sort of the more uh, New York City kind of more restaurants and things being open at 20, you know, 24 hours. I mean, you just have your only fast food open at night, and we landed pretty late, so I was hungry. That's why I'm lamenting about it.
0: Yeah, you know, one thing you were mentioning on the foreign travel that's really interesting is like that. Some some people have commented that this that this reopening of foreign travel is going to lead to like a, a, you know dollars starting to flow back into real estate. And they, like we sort of talked about a little bit last week on the pod it was like you know if you're if you're in mar- if you're like just in cash, right? And and you haven't like really put that money to work, you're effectively losing like depending where inflation ends up hitting, but you're effectively losing like 3-4% on your money, right? And if you're in a foreign market where that that effect can even be more more extreme in certain markets Especially, you know, we have investors like, I Aaron mean, in Asia, for example, that where the, these this that variance can be even uh, that Delta can be even more dramatic that, you know, there's a, I think there'll be uh, there should be a real rush to for some foreign buyers to at least put money to work by coming back into markets like the US. And yeah, and I, I, yeah,
1: yeah, no, I think so. I, I definitely agree. I, th- I think that. Uh you know, especially like you said there that especially a lot of Asian countries with their inflation, you know, they're not making any money there. And, and so they're they're very eager to, to put money uh, back in the U.S. And I think also because of especially in certain asset classes that you've seen time and time again has has been resilient like apartments.
0: Yeah. And, so, and, and the other side of it, too, like, we you know, when we mentioned earlier, like we have an employee who is who's visiting family in, in Taiwan and, and they and the quarantine requirements in Asia for most Asian countries are, are much they're like real quarantines. They're not like volunteer whatever that's happening here. And so just even just the basic logistics of of getting somewhere to go see an asset are just way easier in the U.S., whether it's good or not. And you know, wherever your opinion sits on all that, it almost doesn't matter because you, you if you're trying to put money out to work in a lot of ways, because these restrictions have been lifted. It's actually like way easier to come to the U.S. with money and you can you have some like refuge in that this is probably the safest market in a very unsafe sort of time to invest in. Yeah, so it's sort of like set like leads up well to like, you know, what while the markets like we're seeing, you know, I was, I've been talking to brokers, you know, all you know, in different markets for last week and just how they're going to finish a year. And most of the most of them unless they've got like a a significant amount of listings that are coming to market or they're planning on marketing this year, most in the apartment space aren't marketing anything like for the rest of the year, like whatever they have, they're going to wind down, they're going to close. And then that's it for 2021. And then they're going to bring those new deals out in 22. And if we look at like the other food groups, we're in like industrial, there's nothing like literally nothing. And so, you know, on, on, on this front you're going to see I think as as the year comes to close and we enter 22 that like deal volume will actually start to I mean it should probably go down but, but buyer volume will actually probably go up because you have this new, whole new group that has not like had ability to come here for like good 18 months
1: no I agree I think there's definitely pent up demand and it's also I think partially why I, I saw a recent report from uh, Marcus Milka- uh, Milichap, their head um, economist researcher. And he talked about how the third quarter in commercial real estate, you know, multifamily and industrial obviously have done really well. But surprisingly, actually, they said that retail, which I was surprised to learn, they said that the total occupied retail square footage right now is is, is already at pre, pre-COVID levels. And so um, to a certain extent, um, you, you know, this, this market is strong. now. And obviously, even for product type asset classes like multifamily and industrial, where there's already big demand. I think those other factors, like you said, you know, there's more pent-up demand also from outside the U.S. and will start coming in um, to, to the United States, which is also why I think, um, well, at least that's consistent with our investment theory the thesis. Um, invest, you know, certain researchers like InvestCorp, one of the biggest institutional investors in the U.S., you know, they project apartment cap rates are projected to continue to remain low for the next few years. And they and they expect, even if you do have short-term interest rate rise, um, you know, they think that the rent growth will continue to happen and that'll support it and it'll be easily absorbed.
0: Yeah, I, I can totally see that. I can see where you're going to see like this constant absorption and, you know, as, as especially in like coastal markets that, you know, have been have been far more closed as, as these, you know, foreign travel. I mean, I was in New York a few weeks ago. Usually when you're in New York, you hear different languages, especially when you're in Manhattan. And it was his first time in a long time where I didn't spend that much time in Manhattan, but the time I did spend, I actually don't remember hearing any foreign language. it's like, well, that uh, is, that is
1: unusual. Yeah. You
0: know, and, and I spent like, I was, I wasn't all around the city, but I was in a few pockets where normally I would hear like, somebody speaking like whatever some language not english basically and i I actually don't remember anybody speaking a foreign language because most of those travelers have not been allowed back in this country
1: yeah that's true usually in new york city especially having grown up there whenever you're running around manhattan you're always tripping over tourists (laughs) and so and so so it'll be interesting to see this this travel blitz you know i I think will happen in the next few months in, in cities like new york yeah
0: well i think we'll definitely see see some uh, blitz in there so i think one of the interesting stories um that came out last week was how zillow was pulling out of their their home buying um, uh, program so they, they zillow had this program where they basically were buying homes in certain markets and they, they were almost doing it like it was pretty close to sight unseen but on top of that they were usually playing a little bit of a premium so like they, they would pay some like if the house is three hundred thousand they might pay like three fifteen, and the idea was they they knew they had like all the analytics for like where people are moving and so they were buying like lots of homes in like Phoenix and Boise and and they they would pay a little bit of a premium with the idea that they had all the data, and then they would go and fix these homes up and re, and I you know they would get to some sort of exit basically, and. I think essentially and the CEO of Zillow is a pretty sharp guy. I think basically he looked at it and he said, you know, we basically have, have sort of created a little bit of an artificial market by by buying these homes for well over asking pricing. And and they've decided that they're just gonna shut this division. I think they, you know, let go of a bunch of people and and more or less they they have said that, you know, this is just not working. And so and in the in the same time last week, you had a number of people that came out and said basically like maybe the housing supply that we think is, is, is really weak, maybe it isn't as weak as we once thought. And so I think, I think you're starting to get this notion that people are actually, you know, maybe that there is definitely like, it is still a house, strong housing market, but in certain markets, especially where you can build, it might not be as weak as we think, the supply might not be as weak as we think it is. And it probably and definitely is gonna get not oversupply, but you're gonna start to build to some equilibrium.
1: Yeah, that's really interesting because I, 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 I definitely could see that there are certain markets that it could be pricing could be, you know, little probably a little higher than it should be. Um, but on the other hand, it's it's um, well, I mean if it's markets like Phoenix, you know, I saw the other side of that article. I didn't see what you were referring to about Zillow. So I, first of all, I didn't even realize that Zillow actually had a business where they were buying houses. I thought they were just yeah the guy just giving you analytics only. I didn't know they actually tried to act on it, um, but I did see an article where they talked about all the companies, Blackstone types, that were buying all these houses that they were selling. And so, to me, I, I was thinking the opposite. I thought, oh, you know, the, the you, know, you know, you know, maybe Zilla's was right. Maybe they are overpaying it. But there are these real estate groups who you know, who are aggressive in the market and they're, they're going to buy those homes. <laughs> they, they want those, you know, Phoenix, is as we, we've talked about here on this podcast, Phoenix is one of the hottest markets. And, and so that's why um, it was, I, I also found it interesting how quickly their whole portfolio got scooped up. And, and so oh zillow's portfolio yeah zillow's portfolio well it hasn't got spooked up yet
0: but it, it will i mean i think that they' will end up pairing it off to like like a blackstone or something
1: yeah like that. that's what they were saying blackstone and all the other like couple of the big uh build for rent kind of guys were all over this portfolio they said yeah and so that's where i thought oh interesting i said they're buying this portfolio from
0: zillow yeah well that's like the whole thing like behind like open door redfield still has their own platform there's a bunch of them that have these like platforms where they're basically trying to buy homes using data and then essentially flip them like in some term and, and create a flip opportunity, basically. Mm-hmm. But I, I think it, it, they, they've sort of figured out that, that like that's much harder to achieve. And and maybe maybe they were feeling the pinch of some losses or maybe they just saw the writing on the wall that this is going to this might not end as well as we thought. Yeah. And so they, they basically stopped it.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I think it's probably a combination of all that, probably some losses. And also probably, I mean, to be honest, I mean, I don't know if Zillow is really, you know, made to be like how some of these companies are all set up to, to flip and trade these homes and, and, you know, manage them and prune them as necessary, et cetera, and run them too as rentals. So that could be part of it too.
0: Well, I think part, uh, part of it also is just like, the, you know, typically flippers, they, they don't have usually like the, the guy, you know, everyone so knows someone that's flipped a house or something. The, 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 kill, the, the part that's really difficult in that process is like the hold. And so guys that are like, even a, even Zillow for how big they are, they just can't like, they don't usually, holding these things is a, is a huge problem. And so if the markets are slowing down even a little bit and you start holding longer, that hold period becomes very
1: difficult for balance sheets basically. Yeah, yeah. which I think is different for the other guys who are the professional. You know, built to built to rent kind of guys now that are in the oh business. yeah, those guys are different. Yeah, they yeah. have a much. So that's that's track. where I thought it's interesting. Well, yeah, it makes sense for Zillow to get out, but for these other guys, it's actually a good opportunity for them. <laughs> yeah, it's funny. It's like
0: you know, like I think what's interesting about it too is that like, you
1: know, home flipping.
0: You know, you there you hear about some of these people. You see some of them on like HGTV or whatever. They flip houses and stuff. But like, generally for most people, it's like a side hustle. And then Zillow wanted to make it into like a like a side hustle, but like in like a half a billion dollar scale. So it's just like, I don't
1: know. Yeah, it still boggles me. Like I, part of me just like, why is Zillow doing that? That's like, like, stick to your uh, your, your, your tea, your cup yeah, of tea. To, yeah, no, just stick to it. Like let me know what my neighbor's house is worth so I can yeah. feel better about mine. Yeah, yeah, so I can figure out, yeah, exactly. Just stick to that shit, right? Yeah, or get into
0: the yeah. appraisal business. But even
1: that, yeah. why are you trying to run the portfolio?
0: Yeah. All right, well, that's it on the Zillow marker. Uh, I think we have a a question this week, and this one comes from our from our always eager Beaver uh, uh, associate pr- uh, producer there, Jason Fawn. Please do, my friend.
1: Okay, uh, the question I had is a little anecdotal based. You know, I noticed that during COVID in Los Angeles, there's kind of been a rise in uh, valet parking. So I wonder if that had kind of had an impact on. Uh, real estate values for parking, parking lots,
0: parking spaces, structures? Well, well, I, I don't have a, I, I think it's a very interesting question. I actually don't really have like an answer on has the parking lot valuation changed, but I, I do have, I, I think I can get answer this in a couple ways. One is because there was just this huge rise in outdoor dining because that was like the safe way to get around COVID and still go see your friends or go do whatever, that many restaurants actually ended up building pretty elaborate kind of outdoor dining and what was like the parking in front of their restaurant or on their in the parking lot next to the restaurant and more or less that was so the city allowed that they built it and a lot of them became pretty elaborate like you know i know manhattan beach where david where actually david lives they, those are like i've heard 30 40 dollars they were spending to build those things and more or less that was like a temporary thing it was done on emergency order and now it's been actually extended but if if you really look at it what what's really like brilliant about this whole thing is like if you're a restaurant and you have x amount of space and you can do certain amounts of tickets in a night right that's how these restaurants make money suddenly you were like okay i can do 200 tickets on 100 seatings so i can serve twice but suddenly if you were given all their parking lot you're like well you don't need to keep the parking anymore. people will figure out how to get here and now you have instead of 100 seats you have like 150 seats or 200 seats suddenly you like doubled your revenue very quickly and you really didn't like you don't like really, uh, your trade was I just gave up my parking lot. And so I don't know that the parking lots went into the valley, but I can tell you for sure that certain restaurants like crushed it with this thing. And so they're, and they're still, and I think what's going to happen is, and I'm seeing, and I saw this in New York too, that they're not giving that space back. So that space is going to continue with the restaurant, whether it's the Cheesecake Factory operating that or it's, you know, John and Vinny's or whatever they're not giving that space back and they're they've actually created an additional market by having more seats
1: yeah i mean i I mean it definitely i agree that 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 to the restaurant it's not like they make money off the parking so like if you have less convenient care it's really a means to get the customer into the into the table so they can have the table revenue and if you can now you've expanded basically the footprint of their of, the, of their restaurant, really, um, that's that's a good thing for them. So I definitely think restaurants favorite. I think also, like, it's become permanent. I know there's a lot of talks about it in L.A. too, making it permanent just because, you know, especially when it's nice weather in L.A., you know, just having, you know, outdoor t- dining can be pleasant. And so, and so uh, it's definitely a win for the restaurants. It, it's, it, you know, gets more people there. Hopefully it's a win for the landlord because maybe the tenants won't, won't, you know, go out of business and they can pay their rents um i don't know who it's a, who it's a loser for other than, than maybe the patrons are going to pay more for valet parking but it but it's definitely not the parking was not money making for the, for the for the restaurant so so on the flip side they got something money making so i definitely think it was a good thing for them i don't know if it increases values of the real estate underlying real estate though yeah i i don't yeah i know how
0: it affects the underlying it's hard to judge on that i mean i think it essentially starts running with the restaurant even though it's a public space in most cases like so but it starts running with the restaurant as if it's I mean, it's actually kind of a boon for like probably the the real estate owner as well as the restaurant. Because the real estate owner suddenly just got all this extra space to whether it's whatever the tenant is, he now has a lot more space to give them.
1: Yeah. 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 In some ways, going around the original city requirements of parking the parking there. So,
0: <laughs> you, you know, <laughs> on a side note, like at, actually Pasadena for the first time last week, they agreed 11 nothing on their city council. To start charging for parking and and so i guess they i didn't realize this but and and because we're moved i actually end up in pasadena quite quite much more than i ever have but um essentially they they had a lot of free parking there and they they decided that they were going to charge a dollar for every for every hour of free parking it was free parking now they're going to charge a dollar per hour and and the city council approved it 11 nothing but then When you look at the comments like of of this approval of this article I saw, it's just like tons of people. This is an old town. So this is the main retail hub of Pasadena where people are just like, I'm never going to go to Pasadena again. I hate old town. I can't believe they're charging for parking and now they're charging a dollar. And then they're going to charge $4. And it's just like this like stream of commentary. And if you look at it, like in, in most places that like have great walkability, the parking's like really, really expensive in general. Like if you like go to like London or Hong Kong or even like downtown Los Angeles, like it has some walkability, the parking's really here. It's like $40, $50 a day. It's, you know, if you park in the meter here, it's like six bucks an hour. So it really shows you like when when communities have had something and then suddenly it's taken away in one swoop, it's like creates a, a really a big stir. But I think in the end, what'll end up happening in places like Pasadena that suddenly charge for parking it'll actually be better for the overall uh, city itself cuz you'll actually get more patrons coming in ways and not worrying about the parking as much
1: yeah you know they'll use alternatives or they'll just uber or they'll just uber yeah
0: and that's that's what you really want people to do cuz then they then they have two glasses of wine so one
1: yeah there you go
0: <laughs> um all right let's go to our uh, so, so i know that's a great answer jason it allowed me to to uh, go off on the topic i, I feel somewhat passionate about but uh, but uh but thanks for the question
1: oh no definitely some interesting insight
0: anytime buddy um all right items of the week D- david you give us a bunch of numbers any number uh, you didn't give us
1: uh no i pretty much gave you all my numbers for the week
0: <laughs> all right well that's
1: fair um so
0: i i i, I got a good one actually um so this is just a Los Angeles number, but so basically the number is, is 63%. And so this is from Deloitte and Tooch. And what they're saying is basically shoppers based in LA are planning to spend more this holiday season, budgeting about $2,050 or 63% more than the $1,256 that they've planned to spend in 2020. And this is by Deloitte and Tooch. So you're, you're definitely going to see, like we've been sort of talking about like you Know, even with supply chain woes and things of that nature, you, you people are definitely looking at like a, a spend a more of a spend this uh this winter.
1: Interesting, interesting, you know. You know, uh, one thing I was gonna say I, I didn't talk about when I was talking about skinflation was you know, Black Friday I'm definitely seeing a lot more advertisements about Black Friday, like now, before Black Friday has even you know gotten anywhere close to, we're still a few weeks away from but everyone's hyping sort of black Friday sales or, or, or get it now because there'll be, you know, you won't get it in time for Christmas kind of thing. So it does seem to create a little bit of urgency and uh, I do I do start to feel uh, that, that maybe I need to meet the shop more. Uh,
0: okay. Uh, I think this is, uh, this is it for us this week. I
1: actually don't have any content, but, um and uh or
0: actually this was an upgrade list week for me but david do you have anything
1: uh my only content was i i started watching because i hear you talk about it so much i started watching succession a little bit oh come join (laughs) us my friend come join us um, and actually i was also inspired by i saw an article about how like apparently there's a lot of family-owned businesses around the country and uh they they like to watch it too, <laughs> one of the big audience members, because they kind of relate to some issues and, and some of the, you know, they think some of the things they talk about is, is a, uh... You, you know because a lot of times the fan business like like succession is a hard thing to talk about and so yeah i think it's, no, it's very good to, to, for them to see that because then they, they see the extreme so they see like okay we never want to be like those guys and, and so yeah uh, but that's an interesting fan base that, that they require so i was curious i said oh let me start watching this little bar it, it's a fun so show for sure it is a very fun show uh, yeah, yeah. I enjoyed it very much so that's my
0: uh, excellent excellent well uh, thanks everyone for listening make sure you continue to subscribe we're uh steadily growing our user base. We'd love to get more listeners, so please do subscribe on whatever podcast app you're using. And if you have any questions, continue to send them to pod at goodlifehp.com. You can find us on all the social media, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and LinkedIn. And thanks again, David Fong. Any final words from from Dallas?
1: Uh, Be safe, everyone. Stay vaccinated. Get vaccinated. Bye. Bye.
0: I don't know why I worked when you oh, yeah, sent you're the back link. In there. I know. I don't know why I worked when you sent the link but not when I sent it, but we're recording again.
1: <laughs> Wait. <laughs> wow. All right. Can you hear me? I can hear you just fine. All right. We got to hustle because John will be waiting
0: with the property manager. <laughs> yeah. John and, and Elliot will be waiting. Or yeah. Elgin or something like that. It? Elton. 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 Uh, Chinese
1: Elton, nice guy. Uh, wait, what you, happened? Hey, wait, did we lose him? Uh, I can hear you guys just fine. Okay, you cut out for a second. Okay. No, I
0: was just thinking Chinese Elton. Okay. Uh, we'll we'll start at the minute mark. So fifteen seconds. Uh, do your voice. Okay. Uh, do your voice exercise. Whatever you can. <coughs> okay. I drink my drink. Yeah, drink your drink. Do your little voice exercises. Whatever you need to do. Uh, we'll bite my salad. We'll start with the. in this is episode sixty six, right, Kate? Yep. 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 Sixty six. Welcome, everybody. Good Life Housing Partners, episode sixty six. It is a Tuesday, December twenty first, two thousand twenty one. We are slowly meandering our way through the new RMB singer slash uh, COVID variant virus, Americon uh, or Omrion or whatever the hell they call it now, yep. and we are. Into uh the end of the, the last weeks of the year, and this fucking shit went offline.
1: Hello? Is he got disconnected. Hello? Oh. Uh, yeah. It has to be on his hands. It's because the house is walking down and the cable is still That's why this happened on our call. Okay. <laughs>